This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. We started a series a couple of weeks ago that we've called Reigning in Life, and we are using Romans chapter 5, verse 17 as a text scripture, beginning place for this very thought. Paul is uh, speaking of God's doctrine of two men. There was one man, Adam, and his actions brought death upon the world. His rebellion against God brought death upon the world. But then Jesus, who was God's second man, his actions brought life to the world. And that's what Romans chapter 5, verse 17 is speaking of when Paul says by the Holy Ghost, For if by one man's, speaking of Adam, one man's offense, death reigned by the one. Much more, much more, much more. They which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now, folks, notice what it says about the believer. He's writing to Christians and he's writing about something that belongs to Christians. He says that Christians are intended to reign in life. He said that you're going to reign in this life. And he said it's conditional but available to every believer. He didn't say this is going to happen for special ones. He just said those that meet the simple conditions of receiving. The word receive means to take hold of. To take hold of. The abundance of grace, number one. And secondly, the gift of righteousness. Now, I would submit to you folks that these folks have already been saved. Paul writes to the Romans, he's writing to the Christians, he's not writing to the unsaved. So he's writing to believers. And he's saying, here's what God intends. Now whether or not it happens is up to you. Because it doesn't depend on God. If it just depended on God giving the gift of righteousness and God showing the abundance of grace, then every Christian would reign in every situation. Right? I mean, that would be automatic. Now I think that's the way a lot of people want it to be. Well, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. That's not the way it is. But here is the way that it is. Everyone, every believer, every person that has been saved that takes hold of that salvation. And that's what the abundance of grace really means. It means the finished work of Jesus. It means everything that God did for us, he did through his grace. So we could just summarize grace as being the finished work of Jesus. Now, the reason I do that is because a lot of people are looking at grace as some kind of feeling. For example, Paul writes in his own situation about the thorn in the flesh. A lot of people think that was sickness, but Paul said very specifically that it was persecution. And he said, I prayed God that I prayed three times that God would take him, it, this persecuting angel or demon away from me. And God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Well, what does that mean? The church has fought wars over what that means. What does it mean? My grace is sufficient for you. So many times Christians take that verse of scripture and that thought that what they think is the principle uh, expressed by that scripture. And they say, well, okay, whatever happens, God's grace is sufficient. So we just sit back and take it all. And so they think grace must be this comforting feeling or satisfaction that even though the world is going to beat you down someday, Jesus is coming back for you. That's not what grace is. Grace is something that God gives you to produce victory. God's grace gave you victory over sin and death. 
God's grace always lifts you up. It doesn't cause you to put up with something that's less than what Jesus died for. Grace is never some kind of feeling or some kind of condition where we just sit back and take it. Never. That's why I define grace as the finished work of Jesus. Because the finished work of Jesus, this scripture tells us, along with many others, guarantees your victory if you'll take hold of it. If you'll take hold of it. If you will receive to take hold on, to act on this abundance of grace, this finished work of Jesus, and the gift of righteousness. Now, folks, nowhere in the Bible does it say anything about growing in righteousness. You can't grow in righteousness. It talks about growing in faith. It talks about growing in grace. Now, how can you grow in the finished work of Jesus in your knowledge of it? But it never says a word about growing in righteousness. You will never be more righteous than you were the moment you were born again. Now, some people hear that and say, yeah, I know that's true. But since I've been born again, I've really messed up. Well, you haven't lost your righteousness. You may have committed unrighteous acts. But those unrighteous acts cannot undo the relationship of righteousness that you obtained when you made Jesus the Lord of your life. But not every believer takes hold of that. Not every believer accepts that. Not every believer walks in that. A lot of Christians walk around through life feeling unworthy. They're they're, they're the dominating factor or characteristic of their Christian life is that they feel unworthy. Well, how how can a righteous person feel unworthy? Only by choice. I like that. I've never said that before. How can a righteous person feel unworthy? Only by choice. Because God never looks at you as unworthy. God never looks at you as unrighteous. Yeah, but you mean God sees me as righteous after I've messed up? Yeah. He sees you as a righteous person that felt, that stumbled, that made a mistake. So what do we do? First John 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sins, that means where you stumbled then God is faithful to, and just to cleanse you, to forgive your sin, first of all, and to cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. In other words, the unrighteous action, the act of stumbling. But your relationship, the union with God, which is righteousness, is never severed. It can only be severed and that, with great difficulty. And Hebrews chapter 6 talks about that. Don't even want to get there. Most Christians never get mature enough to even fall away. Most Christians never get mature enough, never grow to the place of maturity where they could lose their salvation. So to talk about that and, and to use that as, as the extreme, as some example and, and something to watch out for, folks, that's ridiculous. They that receive the abundance of grace, the abundance of the finished work of Jesus, the abundant inheritance, maybe we should say, the abundant inheritance of the finished work of Jesus and the gift of righteousness shall reign. He didn't say might. Folks, I want you to understand something. When you and I come to the place where we understand what Jesus purchased for us and that we are righteous because God made us so, your righteousness is the same as Jesus' righteousness. It's not an offshoot. It's not a copy. It's not a second generation. It's the same righteousness. Because when Jesus died, he went to hell. He was separated from God. If Jesus did not die spiritually, then that means somebody still has to. 
But if he died as your substitute so that you not have to, then that means he died completely. That means life departed from Jesus. Now, how does that work? How can God die? I don't know. But I know it has to be in order for you and I to be made righteous. So therefore, the Bible says Jesus was justified in spirit. There came a point in time when God saw that Jesus had paid the price. And I don't believe he left him there one second longer than was necessary. Once the price was paid, the life of God came back in him. Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn from the spiritually dead. I don't know where you and I are on that number list. But we followed him in. But he was the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? That means the righteousness that was given to him or the righteousness that he was then remade into was not his original righteousness. It was something that God gave him. Isaiah 54 says something interesting. God says, no weapon formed against you. I think this is verse 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. And then the last part of the verse says, and their righteousness is of me, saith God. That has always jumped out in that scripture to me. And their righteousness is of me, saith God. It's almost like he's in the devil's face. It's almost like the devil saying, that's not right. You can't make these evil people righteous. I caused them to stumble. All of mankind was in my clutches. All of mankind was under my dominion and under my control. It's not right. You can't make them righteous. And God says, their righteousness is of me. That's always had a jarring effect upon me. Whenever I'd read that verse of scripture, their righteousness is of me, saith God. Well, did you know that Jesus' righteousness is of God? It had to be. Because he lost his own when he laid aside his life, when he allowed himself to die on the cross. When he became death, literally sin, but we know sin is the byproduct of death, or the result of death. When Jesus died, literally died, that means he died in spirit. That means he was separated from God. That means there was no trace of life left in him. Well, what life does he have now then? When he was raised from the dead, life infused him. The life of God came back upon him. Well, what life is that? It wasn't his original life. It was life that God gave unto him just like he gives unto you when you're born again. It's the same righteousness. It's the same life. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Here's why the Word of God is the power of God, because it reveals God's will. When you can find God's words on a subject, whether it's healing, whether it's finances, whether it's peace, whatever area you have need of, you find what God's word says, you've just found God's will in that area. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. Do you realize when we take a position of being unworthy or unable or whatever word we want to put on it 
Do you realize we're arguing against God's righteousness? God's saying, their righteousness is of me. And we're saying, well, no, not really. We just feel so unworthy. Paul wrote to the church and says, awake up to the righteousness. What does he mean? He said, wake up and realize who you are. Much more, they which receive the abundance of grace, the abundance of all that Jesus provided through his death, burial, and resurrection. Much more, they which receive, take hold of, the abundance of grace, the finished work of Jesus, and the gift of righteousness shall reign. Shall reign in life, here, now. We're not talking about heaven. We're not talking about sweet by and by. We're talking about now. Shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to notice something else about this verse. Notice what it does not say. It does not say you'll reign through him. See, a lot of people are trying to reign through Jesus. And what that is, it's a cop-out. It's us trying to put it off over on Jesus. Well, we just reign through Christ. No, you reign because you're in him. The responsibility is yours. It's like somebody saying, well, I can't do anything with my kids, so I've just turned them over to the Lord. Well, unless they're adults and on their own, you can't turn them over to the Lord. They're your responsibility. In the same way, it's your responsibility to reign in life. It's your responsibility to take hold of the abundance of grace, the fullness of what Jesus died for, and the gift of righteousness. It's your responsibility, not God's, not even the Lord Jesus. Nope, you reign in this life because of who God made you to be. Now, it is without dispute that God intended man to have dominion on the earth. It's without dispute that God intended two things, really. Two things are identified specifically as God's plan before he ever made man. One was that he would be holy and without blame, in other words, righteous. And two, that he had dominion. No question about that. No dispute. The scripture is absolutely clear on that. We've covered some of that. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about how that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated unto us the adoption of children. Or predestinated us unto the adoption of children. Now, adoption is a different thing. I I really regret that they use the word adoption in, um, in the King James Bible. Because adoption in the Bible does not mean what we think of. In the, in the ancient Eastern world, which the Bible was written for, you never took someone out of your family and put them into your family. That's not what adoption was. That just never happened. If someone, a rich man or whoever it might be, didn't have children, and he had a servant in his house that he treated as a son, that's all it was. He was treated as a son. But nobody ever adopted in that sense, in the Western mentality, somebody outside of their family into their family. That just didn't happen. Adoption took place within a family. People adopted their own children. Now, see, that doesn't compute to us because we think adoption is taking somebody outside the family and making them part of your family. That's not what adoption means in the Bible. Adoption means you accept them as mature, as an equal partner. So as children in the East, as children would grow up, the, the, uh, an example of this in the Jewish tradition is the bar mitzvah. It's where somebody enters into manhood. Well, 
they're not men when they enter into manhood. They're like 13 years old when that takes place. They're not men, but what they are is they're treated as a partner. They're treated as an equal. They're treated as an adult. And God adopts us, un- uh, uh, allows or has planned for us to be adopted as sons way before we ever mature spiritually. Adoption is where you accepted that your son who has been tutored and has been, has been trained, has been educated, whatever the case may be, at a certain age or at a certain point, you say, okay, I now accept him as a man into my family. Well, he was your son all the time. He's still your son. You've just now adopted him as an adult. So when the Bible talks about he's predestined, God predestined us. Turn to Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According, how do those blessings come? Here's how, here's why. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That means before man was ever created, this was God's plan. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. What did God plan before he ever made man? For man to be righteous. That's what holy and without blame before him in love means, isn't it? Is there any other possibility for another meaning? It's got to be righteous. Holy is righteous. Without blame is righteous. So God, before he ever made man, he said, here's how man's going to be. Now, let me stop here and make a comment. He's not talking about Adam. God knew before he ever made man that Adam was going to fall. When Eve ate of the, the, the fruit of the tree and gave the, the, the fruit to Adam and he ate, God did not say, oh, no, what are we going to do now? This changes everything. God knew from the beginning what was going to happen. He didn't will it to happen, but he knew that it was going to happen. And so when it says that God predestined, literally, predestined you before man was ever made, God predestined man to be righteous, he's talking about righteous in Christ, not righteous as Adam. In other words, you are exactly where God planned for you to be. All the time that people look around and say, well, I wish it was different. I wish we could be in the Garden of Eden and never had dealt with sin. God planned for you to be how you are now. In Christ Jesus. Yeah, but I've just made so many mistakes, Pastor Mike. God knew that and he planned for you to be right where you are. Righteous in Christ. So he predestined us. He chose us. Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us. This word predestined means to be preplanned. This was God's plan before it ever was consummated, before the world was ever created, before the universe was ever made. This was God's plan. You were God's plan. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. What did he predestine you for? He predestined you to be an adult son in Jesus Christ. He predestined you to take hold of the abundance of grace, the finished work of Jesus, and the gift of righteousness just as you are. Quit thinking you're broken. 
Quit thinking something's messed up, that you've aborted the plan, that you've uh, caused some kind of detour that you can never recover from. That's not true, folks. You're where God wants you to be, an adult son in Christ Jesus. And he calls you an adult son. He treats you as an adult child even before you mature spiritually. That's good news. He doesn't wait until you attain. And he says, okay, now I'll let you have the, re- the blessings and the results and all the other benefits that come as an adult son or daughter. No. He puts those in your possession when you're born again. He treats you as if you are an adult child you, with all the blessings, all the benefits, all the privileges of an adult son, somebody that has already spiritually matured. Now, it's up to you to mature. It's up to you to utilize those things. But you're exactly where he intended for you to be. You're not broken. God doesn't make broken stuff. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. What's his intent? That you be an adult son so that you're joined with him. Union with God is everything, folks. God's original plan could be summed up in one thing, united with him. Why did he do this? Because he wanted to, according to the pleasure of his goodwill. According to the pleasure of his goodwill, that simply means because he wanted it this way. Because he wanted it this way. Now, as I said before, began to say, it is without dispute that God intended two things for man. Number one, that he be righteous. And number two, that he have dominion. Now, we see that he made Adam in the Garden of Eden with dominion. Genesis 1, verse 26. Let us make man in our own image. And God said, let us make man in our own image. And let them have dominion over the works of our hands. What does that mean? Adam was intended and placed in a position to rule under God over all the earth. That makes him the God of this world. Doesn't make him a God, it makes him a ruler. That's what that means. Satan is the God of this world, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It doesn't mean that Satan is a God. It means he's the ruler of the earth. Why? Because spiritual death rules and reigns over the earth over them that don't know about Jesus and haven't received it. Right? Adam was intended to be the God of this world. How's that going to work? Let's say, say, let's say Adam doesn't fall. How's that going to work? Is Adam going to have kids and then his kids are going to fight over who's going to be the ruler of the world? Is that God's intent? They're going to fight it out until one dominates the others? No, righteous men don't do that. Righteous men don't dominate other people. So what? in what sense did God intend for them to be rulers or to dominate the works of his hands, to dominate in their own lives? I'm sure if it had, had gone on for, for thousands of years, perhaps, or whatever the case was, Adam would have had children. They would have started dividing territory. Okay, this is my part. This is your part. This is their part. And the more kids, the more they would have divided till they finally get down to the place where they rule in their own lives. That's the only way you could do it righteously and not dominate somebody else. See, righteousness prevents you from dominating other people. God never said you can dominate or you can rule or have dominion over everybody else. He said you can rule over the works of my hands. In other words, God intended man to be a ruler in his own life. 
Well, that's what Jesus restored. Jesus restored the rule and reign in our own life. That's what Romans 5.17 is all about. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace, the finished work of Jesus, and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. One translation says as kings in life. Shall reign as kings in life. Shall reign as kings in life. Where are you going to reign? You're supposed to reign in your own life. Now, when God said, let us make man in our own image, we see that that means a lot more than than what we might assume on the surface. Psalm 8, for example, we looked at that, I believe, a couple of weeks ago, where it says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, King James says. King James translation says, thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. The word used for angels there in the Hebrew is literally the word Elohim. It's the word that's used as for the name of God in the first five books of the Bible. Where in Genesis 1-1 it says, And God said, let there, uh, uh, and God said, let there be light. Or in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And God said, and Elohim said, let there be light. Over and over and over again, it's the word Elohim. It's the name for God. So the angels are really saying, who is man that you are mindful of him? You have made him a little lower than yourself. Now, folks, here's something I want you to please listen to. If you don't get it today, maybe it'll dawn on you next week. Because these things take time to sink in. We are so conditioned against these things that it takes time to sink in. But please understand this. God made you as close to himself as he could. He made you, mankind, he made you as close to himself as was possible. You're made in a different class of being than the angels. You're made in a higher class of being than the angels. Hebrews says that it was the angel in in Psalm 8 that says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? The angels are looking at this and saying, You're going to do what? Let us make man in our own image. You're going to make man like you? Why? What is man that you would give him such a position? And crown him with glory and honor and give him dominion? Why? That was the angel's question. Well, they didn't understand God's plan. May have been a little jealousy in there too. I don't know. God made you as close to himself as possible. And that's what man lost when Adam fell. Life was exchanged for death. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Folks, I don't believe we've we've even begun to scratch the surface on what that abundant life is. I don't believe we've even come close. The Bible says that when Jesus was raised from the dead, we were raised with him. Jesus was born again from the dead. The Bible says he was the first begotten from the dead. And at the same time, you were raised from the dead too. You were born again by the precious blood of Jesus to rule and reign on this earth. That's why Jesus gave us authority in his name. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. You're looking at the problems in your body or the problems in your finances. What do you see? So many people are waiting for God to do something on their behalf. 
and they've got the life of God in them all the time. How much more abundant does the life of God that caused you to be born again have to be for your situation to change? Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.